Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From the Financial Times, this is Hard Currency. The pound has been the main talk of the FX market this year, closely followed by the yen, and never out of the limelight, of course, is the dollar. But what about the euro? Is it sailing along out of harm's way, minding its own business, or is it heading for more inclement weather? I'm Roger Blitz, and welcome in this hot and sticky August week to Hard Currency, the weekly podcast of the Financial Times on the foreign exchange market. With me in the studio is Dominic Bunning, Senior FX Strategist at HSBC. Dominic, is it going to be a hot and sticky time for the euro? I mean, it is showing some yen-like resilience, which you know may not be the, to the liking of the European Central Bank. I mean, how do you rate its performance of late? I think the performance of the euro, particularly after the uh, UK referendum, has been surprisingly resilient to many people. Uh, I think there's a lot of people in the market who still have a preoccupation with the idea that the euro is going to parity against the dollar. Well, actually, we think euro is going to parity, but it's going to parity versus the pound. And that's a longer term forecast. But ultimately, you know, I think there are a number of reasons why the euro is and can remain fairly uh, resilient. Partly it's, it's a structural external balance story. Yes. yes, the Eurozone has internal imbalances, but externally it's got a pretty solid current account surplus that generates ongoing inflows and that helps to keep the currency supported. And the second point is really on the ECB and what's expected. And we just think it's very hard now for the ECB to do more than the market's expecting in terms of easing. Yes, they'll probably look to extend QE in September, but I think the market's got that baked in. So the surprise element from the ECB is going to be difficult to find, I think. Can I just chuck in a couple of other elements? Political risk seems to have come off. We used to talk a lot about Greece, didn't we? Oh my God, those are the days. But the political risk of Brexit certainly hasn't factored in. We do have the Italian referendum coming down the line. To what extent are clients still focused on, you know, the whole issue about the euro structure, the survival of the euro? Do they still talk about this? It's not something that I think is on people's radars that much. Look, again, I think there are a number of internal structural challenges that the Eurozone, the ECB, the authorities, etc., all need to focus on over the long term. But, I mean, when you talk about political risks, you've got the Italian referendum later in the year. There's still an element of that, but I think the big difference is that now, compared to 2012, maybe, or 13 even, the ECB is very much there as a backstop. We've had the, we'll do whatever it takes, and so far they've done enough, and we believe them as the marketplace. So the backstop is there, which means you're not getting a contagion effect onto Eurozone peripheral bonds. It seems, at least, that some of the challenges in the banking sector are not coming to a head just at this moment. So without that contagion in the bond market or the banking sector and so on, then it's hard to see a big negative fallout for the euro as well. Another factor which might be influencing euro direction is data and the economy. I mean, to what extent do you think this relatively decent eurozone growth data supports euro appreciation? 
I think that the data does matter, but I think generally when we think about the data, we think about it in the context of what it means for a central bank. So the reason we look at a lot of this data is we want to then think about what's the ECB going to do or what's the, the Fed going to do. For example, we look at payrolls because it's a great indicator for the economy and therefore we get a, a bit of a read on how the Fed might move. Will they hike? Will they cut? But in the ECB, uh, in the Eurozone, sorry, and with the ECB, it's kind of a done deal. The data has looked a little bit perkier in some in some regards, but they're not going to stop QE anytime soon. We're going to see that policy rolled out for a long time into the future, I think. And so I don't think the market's looking at that kind of perspective so much for the time being. Look, obviously, if things were to turn massively south and there was further expectations of a much more expansive or dramatic policy, that could have more of a bearing, for example. And the idea of doing maybe something even more unconventional than QE uh, might come onto play. But at the moment, that doesn't seem to be the case. The data is actually relatively upbeat to some extent. And, you know, but it's not upbeat enough that the ECB is going to suddenly start hiking rates. Okay. So. So, so sure, but steady resilience in, in the yeah. And the two words that have dominated uh, FX market this week, Jackson and Hull. Do you have a sense that FX market has been so pregnant and quiet of the last few days that we actually might see quite a dramatic reaction on Friday and next week? Well, I certainly think that just in the last week, it's, it has been a case of no one seemingly wanting to put their head above the parapet and, and make a big call on, on some of the big trends. I think people do want to get through Yellen. For us, generally speaking, we, we would think that she's going to remain relatively neutral. The big question really is, how is the Fed going to address this idea of a broader regime change? We've seen it from various um, other members of staff. And, and I think... This is the, uh, the John Williams uh, yeah. comment neutral of last rates, week. Where, where neutral rates are, um, are they lower? And therefore, do we need to change our mandate, for example? And I think, generally speaking, if you look at the parameters around that for the Fed and the direction they could go in, I would say that's biased towards the idea that, that they will, if anything, be more dovish over the longer term and that therefore, you know, the dollar won't necessarily be able to go on this long run appreciation trend, which many still expect. Do you mean more dovish in order that they can have this big conversation about you know, strategy and direction? I mean, ultimately, yeah, if you're looking at how they may change their mandate, whether it's a higher inflation target or a, a nominal GDP target of some kind, the likelihood is it if they went down that route, it's going to lead to the need for even higher inflation. And that would mean lower policy rates, looser policy for longer yeah. compared to maybe what the market's currently thinking. So, you know, I think on balance, if you're looking at the cyclical argument, I would imagine Yellen's going to try and be quite neutral, keep hikes on the table for this year without obviously pre-committing. But in terms of the much bigger picture policy regime, I'd argue the balance for that is more towards the dovish side than the hawkish side. Okay, let's talk about sterling. The continued debate about whether the data is good and whether we've been overly worried about the impact of Brexit. Sterling seems to again be showing some signs of, well, bounce backs a bit strong, but there's a something of a rally there. We are in August. We haven't had enough data. These are the kind of arguments that are put across. Do you agree with all of that? Yeah, I think we'd still be leaning towards the idea that there could be worse to come on the data front. You know, you've seen some of the cyclical numbers remain OK. I think for us, the big risk for the economy is less cyclical, less consumer driven, and it's much more investment driven. And those kind of investment numbers take a bit longer to kick in. So the idea that given the uncertainty over the relationship between the UK 
and the EU and also some of its other trading partners, it could have an impact on investment into Q3 and Q4. And those kind of numbers, you won't really see them for a few more months at the very earliest. So it's more a structural argument for the UK. It's about the investment story. And from the currency perspective, it's about the external balances. And interestingly enough, if you have a strong consumer, then there's even more chance that the current account deficit will remain wide, imports will remain strong, and you won't get a rebalancing in the current account deficit. And that keeps that downward structural pressure on sterling. So we remain pretty bearish on sterling, regardless of some of the shorter term, you know, the, the shorter term data that hasn't been so bad. And further action, therefore, to come from the Bank of England? Yeah, I think they'll do a little bit. We can see a small rate cut, maybe down to with 10 basis points being the end game for them to some extent, probably extension of QE maybe next year. But in some respects, I think, you know, the market again is largely pricing those things in. I think where we're looking at the big potential changes coming through, maybe more on the fiscal side. So what happens with the autumn statement? To what extent will the government look to support demand and how they'll do that? Will it be through tax cuts will it be through extra spending and so on and so forth and that ultimately could have an impact on the currency like i say if you have a big fiscal expansion it keeps consumption elevated and actually it could have a downward impact on the currency in the sense that imports would remain quite high so you don't get a rebalancing of the current account and therefore underlying pressure on the currency remains to the downside the other big move this week has been the rand political risk is back in south africa the finance minister has resumed his fight with president zuma the rand has been remarkably strong this year up about a third and now it's back to this decline as a result of uh, this political risk issue. How do investors try and separate the trend from the immediate uh, news uh, flow? I think for the RAND, it's incredibly difficult because it's such a volatile currency, um, not just at the moment, but historically as well. But, you know, ultimately, I think that the big question that investors will be asking themselves at the moment is regarding the ratings agencies, the fiscal story. For us, the RAND has been improving on three lights. One has been the fiscal story and and there hasn't been downgrades and, and we don't expect a downgrade as our base case later this year. The second is the monetary policy angle remains very prudent. So that's a positive for the currency. And thirdly, you're seeing a bit of a rebalancing on the current account deficit. So there have been three factors at play for the RAND. And I think to some, to a large extent, they all remain in play as well. They but all the, obviously have a political Yeah, uh, and, and I think the big, the big question for politically is really the first one is the fiscal story. So if we were to see a change in the finance minister and you know another debacle like we had back in December, that raises risks that fiscal policy consolidation may not continue and, and that raises the risk of a downgrade at some point. And I think that's the question investors need to ask themselves. If you truly believe that South Africa is going to be downgraded imminently or in, in the near future, then you're probably not going to be that positive on the RAND. If your base case is that actually this is just some noise, the fiscal consolidation path remains on track and there aren't going to be downgrades later this year, then I think you're going to be a bit more positive. And and we're more towards that second argument. We still think there's a little bit of room for the RAND to appreciate more medium term. Is there a read across to emerging markets in general? I mean, what do you make of the emerging markets rally? And coming back to Jackson Hole, is it about to get a rude awakening? Or are you already seeing a correction? I think that a couple of things I'd read through to EM from what's happened in South Africa in the last few days, but also what happened maybe in Turkey last month. And that is that it certainly feels that the kind of spikes you're seeing in dollar EM are becoming a little bit shorter. And the tendency for the investment community seems to be much more to sell dollar EM on spikes rather than look to buy dollar EM on rallies. And that that feels like the tendency in the market. So I think the sentiment is improving for EM in that sense. And I think the big question many people are asking is, given the rally we've had this year, 
are EM currencies now actually too expensive? Are they overvalued? And our research that we've done suggests that actually on a number of metrics, either they're still quite cheap for a lot of currencies, or there's no clear valuation signal. So it's not telling you that you need to get out of those positions yet. So, you know, generally speaking, I think there's still some room for EM to keep doing quite well. And if Yellen comes out and, and actually turns out to be pretty dovish and the market says, you know what, we're not worried about a rate hike this year, then there'd certainly be room for the dollar to keep uh, keep falling versus EM. Okay, so the weather's a little less hot and sticky out in EM. A cool breeze blowing through after <laughs> Yellen Mavis. My thanks to Dominic Bunning at HSBC. Keep up to date with all the FX news on the FT by looking at ft.com forward slash markets. We'll be back next week with Hard Currency to see how the market reacts from Jackson Hole. Join us again next week. Goodbye. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you might like to try our FT News podcasts, which focus on one of the main issues of the day and bring you the insights and expertise of our global network of journalists, as well as outside contributors. You can download these at ft.com slash podcasts most days of the week.